0: So river, river so valley, valley so rain. Welcome to the Axial Spondylarthritis Podcast, hosted by me, Jason Sacco. I'm a longtime spondy looking to bring the community closer to give the community a voice. I'll be reaching out to organizations, doctors, nutritionists, and anyone that I think can help increase our spondy quality of life. Enjoy and learn what is available to make your life better. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Axial Spondylarthritis Podcast. Can you believe this is the 163rd episode that I've released? It just absolutely is incredible that each week, all of you fantastic listeners join me as we discuss some topic related to axial arthritis. If this is your first episode, welcome. When I started the show, I really wasn't sure that I would get through three, four, five episodes because I didn't know anybody would listen. And here we are several years later, 163 episodes, and it just, it never ceases to amaze me the download numbers that I see come in from all you wonderful listeners. Today, we're going to look at how do you get a diagnosis for axial spondyloarthritis? Well, you know, there's a lot of different pieces that encompass a diagnosis. It's not just a simple thing. Here's a test. Oh, here's what you have. Here's some medication. Good luck. I found this article in myspondylitisteams.com Com website. I thought it really covered a lot of what we all were looking at and trying to get the diagnosis for axial spondyloarthritis. And again, I'm going to say the reason you want to use the term axial spondyloarthritis when you're trying to get a diagnosis is to avoid potential confusion, potential misdiagnosis. Because if you listen to past episodes, uh, especially for women, when you go into the doctor and you say, I have ankylosing spondylitis, I've got this. Yes, it is. This is it. And then the doctor says, well, you don't have any damage on, you know, visible damage on any of your x-rays. So no, you don't have ankylosing spondylitis. And you're going, but I do, I have this pain, I have this, I have that. The doctor says, well, I'm sorry, but without the damage, you don't have ankylosing spondylitis. The doctor's not wrong. You don't. But that doesn't mean you're not dealing with the version of it called non-radiographic axial arthritis. And that's why it's important to use the umbrella term axial arthritis when you're trying to get a diagnosis because you want that largest net cast to get that diagnosis. When you look at some of the key takeaways that the article mentions, it talks about axial arthritis is usually diagnosed by a combination of symptoms, image scanning, and blood test results. Negative results on image tests such as x-rays do not rule out axial arthritis diagnosis. That's different than Ankylosing spondylitis, ankylosing spondylitis, and non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis together form axial spondyloarthritis, which is the umbrella term again it's if it's confusing you know please look at the link to the article that i have below that'll help and listen to some of the past episodes but it's again goes back to why it's very important if you're not diagnosed yet you stick with the term axial spondyloarthritis. more doctors are obviously going it's this is a term that's been around for a while you know 20 some odd years and doctors are familiar with it obviously but sometimes they just they'll go off on different thought processes so you have to be your own best advocate. So the article goes on to talk about how most people have to deal with back pain at you know one time or another. We've all had that before. You pull a muscle in your back. You hurt something. You pick something up that's too heavy. You know you can have a sore back for a few days. For people living with axial spondyloarthritis, though, back pain is more complex than a pulled muscle or an injury. Since chronic low back pain is such a common symptom, it's not always easy to diagnose the correct cause. It has been estimated that about 6% of people with chronic back pain have axial spondyloarthritis, but delays in diagnosis can be as long as 10 years, you know, and that can lead for just a substantial decrease in your overall quality of life. This is unfortunate because a prompt diagnosis can lead to better management of symptoms and help to retain function and lower the risk of permanent damage. So again, the quicker you can be diagnosed, the quicker you can get on a treatment plan, the quicker you can understand how to keep that range of motion, that functionality of your body going. And so this is really where you have to be your best advocate and have to make sure that you maybe are one step ahead of the doctor from the research that you've done as you go in to talk to them, making sure you're writing down questions, concerns, symptoms, all of it. So some common symptoms of axial spinal arthritis, you know, well, most people won't have all of the symptoms. Some common ones are pain in the lower back, buttocks and the hips that develops over time pain, redness, or swelling in other joints, including toes, heels, ribcage, shoulders, or neck, uveitis, and stiffness in the morning or at rest. And please see episode 162 that I just did on top of this if you're a woman so that you understand that there are some items that show in a woman with axial spondyloarthritis that may not present in a man so please go ahead and listen to episode 162 as well I'll have a link to that in the show notes if you're a woman and you have not got a diagnosis yet any of these symptoms especially when they have gone on for three months or more you know should be regarded as a potential symptom of axial spondyloarthritis. So is it mechanical or inflammatory back pain? Well, common back pain is mechanical in nature. You know, you overwork yourself or you strain your muscles. Inflammatory back pain, on the other hand, is a primary symptom of axial arthritis and is the opposite. It may get better as you move around through the day. So that's why it can be stiff in the morning because you haven't been doing much as you've been sleeping through the night. Then you get up and you start to move and that sore back, that soreness that you're dealing with, it goes away or the severity of the pain decreases dramatically. Back pain from an inflammatory cause is usually worse at night and upon waking up, as I've said, and it's often accompanied by morning stiffness. non anti-inflammatory drugs, NSAIDs, such as ibuprofen or naproxen, may help ease the pain. Axial spondyloarthritis is not the only cause of inflammatory back pain, but this type of pain is a hallmark of the condition. Is there a test for axial arthritis? Well, no. There's not just, like I mentioned, one test that the doctor can give you. You can take it, and here's what you got. Anyone who has had back pain for more than 3 months no clear cause, you know you should see a rheumatologist, which is a doctor that specializes in inflammation of the bones, joints and muscles. The back pain may be the result of inflammation and not a mechanical injury, and you know this is just one of the keys that they look at for an axial arthritis diagnosis. Your first steps in determining whether someone has AS are a medical history and a physical examination. You know the doctor's going to ask you to bend your joints in different directions to see what kind of range of motion you have. They'll also move Move your legs in different directions and press on areas of your pelvis to see if their pain results. They're looking to see if maybe there's any type of excess inflammation in the SI joints or already decreased mobility in the SI joints. Then your doctor is going to ask you about uh, how often you experience these symptoms. Is there any family history that there may be needing to be aware of? Uh, If any family members have AS or any other autoimmune condition like psoriasis or, you know, IBD, inflammatory bowel disease. These are all considered risk factors. Axial spondyloarthritis cannot be diagnosed, you know, by a simple test. That would be great if it was. Hopefully someday we'll get there. There are several tests that may indicate the presence of AS. So the Assessment of Spondroarthritis International Society has also produced a handbook. Again, when you go to the link to the article that this is in the show notes, you'll be able to get a link to this handbook for diagnosing spondroarthritis that recommends the following tests. So imaging tests. Well, first, if the doctor has access to an easy ability to do x-rays, they can go in and uh, look for any type of radiographic damage You know that's, that shows on the x-rays themselves. There's image testing can be done. Axial spondyloarthritis may be radiographic, showing symptoms on x-rays, or non-radiographic, no symptoms. With radiographic axial spondyloarthritis that's also used under the term ankylosing spondylitis, this is a more severe form of the condition. Unlike ankylosing spondylitis, non-radiographic may not show any signs of x-rays and other imaging. That doesn't mean it's not severe. What it means is that you've got most of the pain of ankylosing spondylitis. You just don't have any telltale signs yet of fusing. Doesn't mean it won't come and you won't progress from non-radiographic to ankylosing spondylitis, but at the moment, you're just not showing any type of radiographic imaging. So again, imaging scans that show inflammation can help confirm a diagnosis, but negative energy scans do not rule out a diagnosis of non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. Also, when you look at the different types of items that they can use for looking internally on you, there's the x-rays, there's the magnetic resonance imaging or MRIs. These are a better tool that can be used. Of course it's not going to be uh, many doctors will have x-rays right in their office that they can do quickly where the MRIs you're not going to get them as quick. They're more expensive. If you're dealing with insurance they may not want to cover the cost of it. So there's just different things that you need to be aware of as you try to get this diagnosis and what you can get the doctor to work with you and the insurance to work with you and the doctor. And it's just a number of different uh, ways to juggle everything. There are also some things called computed tomography, positron emission tomography. Those are also ways, that, you know, PET scans and CT scans, basically that are, can also be used for helping to aid in the diagnosis of AS. With blood tests, you know, on the other hand, really what they're looking for is the gene, the HLA-B27. Having this doesn't mean that you have AS, and it doesn't mean that you don't have AS. You know, if you have the HLA-B27 protein found in white blood cells, about 90% of the people who have AS have this gene. But again, having that gene doesn't mean that you have AS. It just means that there's a likelihood that it's another one of those pieces coming into play that the doctor is going to be looking at for putting a diagnosis together. Another thing they're going to look at is the C-reactive protein levels. These are the measure of the amount of inflammation in the body. And taken by themselves, it's not a single thing that diagnoses you as having it or not having it. It's just, again, another piece of the puzzle as they start to put everything together. Also, there's the ESRs. And again, it's a level of inflammation in the body. Like CRPs, this test doesn't indicate the cause of the inflammation, but it can point toward a, a diagnosis of axial arthritis when you put it with everything else all together. So once you take X-rays or MRIs, the blood tests, looking at the CRPs, the ESR, the HLA-B27, morning stiffness, the ability for it to decrease as the day goes on, controlling it maybe in the beginning with you know something like an NSAID like an Aleve or a an, an aspirin. All of these things together are what the doctor is going to be looking at to provide you with that diagnosis. When they put this all together, axial spinal arthritis may be diagnosed in cases where someone has experienced chronic back pain for at least three months, as we mentioned earlier. You know, generally that will start before age 45, but some people, it has started way before age 45, but they don't get diagnosis until that age or much later. And that can be one of those things where we talk about that delay in diagnosis can create a just much worse quality of life. So they're also looking at imaging scans, and then regardless of it, imaging results, if HLA-B27 is present, there are at least two clinical features that you would then be looking at for axial spondyloarthritis. arthritis. Other clinical features include inflammatory back pain, pain in other joints, enthesitis, dactylitis, uveitis, psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis. Crohn's disease or the UC, a family history of spondylitis. NSAIDs, as I mentioned earlier, are effective at managing the symptoms if you're positive for HLA B27, and if you have elevated CRP levels. All of those separate might not mean anything, but if you put them all together or several of them together, then that allows the doctor to better start to look at AS as a possible condition that you're dealing with. Some rheumatologists have concerns about the current diagnostic criteria for axial arthritis. And then as we mentioned in episode 162, for instance, some criteria tend to differ between men and women. That's where I want you to listen. If you're a woman that's trying to get a diagnosis, listen to episode 162. Women are less likely to show axial arthritis damage on x-rays and less likely to have elevated CRP levels. Women are also more likely to experience a delay in the diagnosis. There's also an ongoing discussion about how to interpret MRI scans and whether some changes visible on scans may also be present in people without axial arthritis. Then there's also differential diagnosis. An AS diagnosis may may also require ruling out other conditions that can cause inflammatory back pain in a process called differential diagnosis. For instance, rheumatoid arthritis is a similar condition, but there usually are enough differences between the two to distinguish them. Both have similar patterns of bone erosion that can be seen in imaging, but AS may also have regrowth of bone in affected areas. And then you can also look at non-radiographic versus ankylosing spondylitis and why if you're getting a diagnosis or looking for a diagnosis, it's better to just use the term Axial arthritis. if you do receive a diagnosis of axial arthritis, you are classified as having either non-radiographic or radiographic. The difference between the two is fairly simple. Non-radiographic axial arthritis is diagnosed when there are enough symptoms, you know, based on the classification criteria, but there are no changes visible on imaging scans whereas radiographic axial arthritis is diagnosed when the criteria for axial arthritis are present along with damage that is visible on the scans. So again, that's the main thing is if there's damage visible, then you are gonna be looking at the more progressed radiographic axial arthritis. If there's no damage, you're probably at non-radiographic. So go ahead. I want you to check out the article in the show notes below and I, I can't thank you enough again for listening if you're trying to get a diagnosis with this please make sure you're tracking your condition on a daily basis not that the doctor needs to know day by day what's going on but that way as you're tracking it you can simply say you know I'm feeling this by every morning when I get up or I'm feeling this most days when I get up I'm feeling this most days before I go to bed and it just starts to put the pieces together so that you can give a broad picture and say hey doc of the time, I'm feeling this way when I wake up in the morning. 60-70% of the time, I'm feeling this way at night before I go to bed. And again, it lets the doctor start to put the picture together of what you're dealing with. So thank you again for listening. I really appreciate it and have a wonderful week. And I look forward to speaking to you next time.